0: So today, we're going to be getting into the question of, are believers eternally secure in Christ? And the text that we're going to be using um, to open up this lesson is going to be found in 2 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 20 through 22, and I'm going to be reading from the NLT, the New Living Translation, because it, it puts it in a m- more simpler uh, modern way for us to understand. So, if you have it, say amen. Um, so, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, and it reads, And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. <clears throat> In verse 21 it says it would be better if they would have never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the commands they were given to live a holy life verse 22 it says they prove the truth of the prophet, a proverb sorry a dog returns to its vomit another says a washed pig returns to mud So we can bow our heads, close our eyes, and just pray. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. We don't have to pray for your word because it's already living. It's already changing. Um, it's already transforming but we do ask Lord that you would open up our minds to to be able to understand comprehend receive and and let us do a transformation a metamorphosis a change in our character um, through this word that you have provided for us God let our hearts be changed and the way we feel, um, and stand about certain things, God. Let our feet walk in the direction that you want us to live a holy and, and righteous life before your eyes. And as an example of you, Jesus, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So I'm going to stick with a lot of the notes here, but I, I pulled some what I personally felt were, were um, the most um, straight to the point and simplified. Um, just because it was so good, like all this material, everything that is in here. Um, so, so beginning with um, the, the first uh, page, uh, page 49. So it starts off first, before we get into that, sorry. So um, Peter, in Second Peter, he's talking about how it was better for us to have never even known of the gospel, to never known of Jesus um, If we were to choose to go back to our sin, he said, either you choose it, you walk it, but it is—it's better for you to have never known it than to know it and fall away from it. Pretty much is what he's saying, because it's like what the prophet said. It's like a dog returning to its vomit. It's like God, or I like the the pig one better. He says it's like a, a a washed pig returns to its mud the 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 master he took you away from your mud he took you away from your mess cleaned you away and then set you off in a new way and then you find yourself back to the mud and you get yourself dirty again so uh, peter is just saying it's better that you would have never known the gospel than to do exactly what that pig did so in that opening of, of this of this lesson we're getting into our believers eternally secure in Christ. And the reason why I start off with that scripture is because um, being saved and going to heaven or being lost and going to hell are two serious subjects. Um, It's a subject that not a lot of us consider. We, we, uh, at least this time and this Era that we're living in we got a lot of people where there's different religions different beliefs um, our own opinion it can be considered truth there's just so many things in the air where heaven and hell is not even considered uh, where we're gonna spend our eternal life because like the Bible says tomorrow is not promised we, we can we can um, our lives can be taken at any moment through sickness through a car accident through gunshots anything can happen to our lives And we don't consider that. And it's it's a very serious subject um, that we can be deceived in. Um, So there are serious consequences with our salvation, whether we would be going to heaven or hell. And this subject whether we go into heaven or how uh, what our life is going to look like it's something that we got to take a look at in in the bible because it's the final authority on this subject it's it's has the final say of what is actually going to happen Um, we we can say the bible is just a book it's just a piece of paper with writing on it but uh, today with so much technology with so much research um, archaeologists historians sci- scientists um, have proven physical evidence of the Bible being true so why not look at what is true what has been proven look at the evidence so from the scriptures we must determine whether uh, in this life we have unconditional eternal security in Christ so because it is, um, it is, has the, the last and final authority We need to look at it and see whether um, our salvation is is 100% secure and it's unconditional, whether we stray away like the pig going back into the mud, or whether we stay uh, like a good uh, sheep following our good shepherd. So that's what we're going to look at today. And in that subject, there's two questions that come up. Um, The first question is, and you'll see, and this is on page 49 in your handouts. And the first question is, is it possible to fall from grace? In other words, can, be, can a believer backslide, fall away, and be cut off from Christ? So that's the first question. And the second question is, are believers unconditionally and eternally secure in Christ? In other words, once we are saved, are we always saved without any chance of being lost? So that, that is a very, those are heavy questions to be asked and good questions to ask because it, it is it's true. We got, today we have um, this big movement of all you have to do is say a prayer, you're good, keep doing what you're doing. And then you got another movement where they're, so both sides of the fence are extreme and and there's that way and then there's another way is like you got to live this way you got to dress this way you got to eat this way you got to do this that, and the other and it's too strict so that's where we come to the bible and we find that balance and that's where people get confused because there's one side of the fence and the other side of the fence that's too extreme and that's where we come to the bible to find out what is true so with those questions being asked, and that's where we start getting uh, what's happening today, that the, the prayer, uh, you say the prayer, then you're saved, and you're good. Um, in the notes, you'll see that in the early 300 AD after Christ's death, in the early 300s to the, I'm sorry, the late 300s to the early 400 ADs after Christ, there was a man by the name of Augustine. Uh, this man, he was a leader in the church, um, he, he, in, in the historical church. He taught of the doctrine of unconditional, um, unconditional eternal security, or better known as predestination. So this is something that in his mind, he determined that this is what the scripture is saying, that we are all predetermined. And here's a quote uh, by Augustine. And this is on page 49 of the notes. Augustine said, "Now, as grace is a free gift of God and pre, uh, precedes all acts of faith on men's part, and as experience shows that not all men become converted and are saved, it, it must follow that God <clears throat> that God absolutely predetermined a certain number of salvation. And that the rest of the, uh, the rest are left to their um, their um, their mere damnation. Sorry. <clears throat> so pretty much what he's saying is because not every everybody he's saying now that grace is a free gift of God and his experience from what he's seen, not everybody's turning to Christ. So that must mean that not everybody is part of the salvation plan in his mind, that's what he's thinking. And because that's what he was thinking, that's something he was teaching for about 100 years, 100 and so years, Um, and, and, and that was what he was pushing hard is we're predetermined. God had a plan for only a select few, only a certain group of people, a certain number of people can have salvation. And you'll see other people, the ones that are not choosing Christ, see, they're the ones that are not a part of the, the, the plan of salvation. So that's what he was interpreting of his experience rather than what the scripture was saying. And because of his experience, he misinterpreted the scripture, And after Augustine passed, his theology became dormant. It was not used as much. It was not taught as much Uh, for a little over uh, a century until um, two men by the name of Martin Luther and John Calvin, they picked um, picked it up and made it popular again. Calvin, he taught that individuals are predetermined either um, salvation or damnation. He, he didn't allow for free will or choice of a person in any way when <clears throat> it came to salvation. According to Calvin, God alone has predetermined every person's eternal destiny. So again, see, this is something that Augustine taught in the early, the, the late 300, early 400 AD after Christ. And this is something that was um, picked up by uh, a guy named Augustine and Martin Luther. And they, they're saying that, see, pre, uh, predestination is true because of Augustine's experience. And then here's our false interpretation of Scripture. <clears throat> and now people don't have free will. They don't have free choice. So again, now they're distorting the Scripture. But under this view... Humans have no ability to choose salvation, but are uh, divinely predestined to salvation or damnation. Only God, only God as, uh, sorry, only as God wills. This doctrine embraces the concept of limited uh, atonement, that is, that is, Christ did not die for the sins of humans, but only select few. If so, Christ, <clears throat> Christ died only for a select chosen, for a few. Um, only a few who have chosen no alternative but accept him. God designed grace, love, and mercy for the rest of humanity, <clears throat> and they are doomed uh, without choice. They have no need to believe in Christ or to try to um, um, preserve a sense. They, they receive um, receive irritable grace with no responsibility. There is, therefore, utter, therefore, utterly impossible for them to fall from grace, from God to be and be lost. So, pretty much, what it's saying in in the notes, this is on page fifty. What it's saying is because we're predetermined, there's no reason for us to try to uh, follow and pursue Christ, because. I'm already saved. I'm part of God's plan of salvation, so there's no need for me to keep striving, to keep working, to keep praying, to keep fasting, to keep doing all these things, reading my word, to learn more about Christ. There's no need to do all that because I'm already saved. And then there's the other group that believe that, okay, I'm not a part of that elect group of people that um, are saved, so I'm just going to keep doing what I'm going to do because I'm not saved. I'm not part of that uh, select few and part of that plan of salvation. So again, you've got these two groups that one believe that they are saved, but they do what they want to do. And then you've got the other group that believe, okay, I'm not going to be saved, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So that's where we start. Things start getting a little rocky. And this is something that, that came to mind uh, for me, aside from the notes. This is just my personal notes. This kind of philosophy goes against free will. It goes against what God has given us from the beginning of time. If we're predetermined, um then we don't have a, we don't freely choose to follow or not follow Christ so God is going against this whole plan of free will and if that was the case then we would have never seen Adam and Eve fell fall they wouldn't have fall because they were predetermined to the plan of eternal life Amen. so that's where things start getting a little the, that that foundation that uh, that foundational belief, that doctrine starts getting rocky. And it starts, it goes from, a, rock, uh, from uh, a solid foundation to now a sandy foundation because you're messing with God's original plan, which is free will, us to choose to follow him or choose not to eat of the fruit and disobey him or not eat of the fruit and obey him. So, with that aside, this is another personal note aside from the, the notes. When I read that, the first thing that came to mind when, he was, when Augustine and Cal, um, Calvin were talking about how we're predetermined, that we have no free will, and all this, and what came to mind was John three sixteen. It's a very popular scripture. John three sixteen, and it says, for this, <clears throat> this is Jesus speaking, he said, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not be perished, but have ever, ever, eternal life. Sorry. Eternal life. So that, that whole phrase right there, that, sh- that simple phrase should just break the foundation of predestination because he says that God so loved the world. He didn't say a select few. He didn't say a group of people that are part of my plan of salvation. He loved those people. He says he loved the world. Everything. And the Greek word for the word world is cosmos. So... When Jesus is saying that God for God so loved the cosmos, he's saying he loved everything in it, the stars, the moon, the, the universe, the galaxy and everything in earth, the world. He loved everything, the cosmos so much that He gave his one and only son that and then it says, so that everyone Not a select few, not a couple of people, not a certain numbers, but he said everyone who believes in him, everyone who believes in him, they will not perish, but they will have eternal life. So that right there, that scripture, we can end right there. That's going to be, that breaks their foundation of predestination. Exactly. Drop the mic. We're done. Because... So this, this version, NLT version, it says everyone, but another, the King James says whosoever or whoever. So that's up for grabs for anybody. If you want to believe, if you want to believe, if you want to believe, if you anybody, or you don't want to believe, you have that choice. It's for everybody. And that's what's so awesome. That was my own, my, my own personal little note that, that came to mind when I was studying this. And then if we look in uh, page 51 of our notes, you'll see that um, we'll start to see some scriptures that were incorrectly supported of this belief. And one of them that I grabbed was John chapter 10, verse 27 through 30. And again, I'm going to be reading from the NLT. John chapter 10, beginning with verse 27. So this is their supportive scripture. It says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. So they use this scripture as, see, nobody can take them away. So you got the select few, you got the sheep, no one can snatch them away, there you go, so that's, that supports predestination, so God has a certain number of sheep that nobody can take away, whether I do right, whether I do wrong, whether I sin or don't sin, whether I keep doing what I'm doing in my life, or I choose to follow, uh, follow Christ and get away from that, so that's the support in scripture, is like, no matter what I do, I'm part of his flock, nothing can take me away, whether it be a person, whether it be my sin, whether it be uh, whatever it is, I'm not going to be taken because I'm part of the sheet. No one can pull me out. Um, <clears throat> but the problem with that is you got to read the whole context. You got to read. That's that's what it, key to anything, especially the Bible. Especially the Bible is you got to read context. You can't just grab pieces and be like, "All right, that sounds nice. That sounds like my idea. Your idea." Is, is below the scriptures because it's God's word. you got to use God's word as, as the determining factor. Is my ideas correct? Am I, am I, is what I'm thinking now given from the Holy Spirit guiding me to the scriptures? Or is this just my flesh just thinking its own thing? <clears throat> so the context of this is Jesus, he was teaching about um, a good shepherd. He was talking about how he is the good shepherd himself. And the sheep are the saved, <clears throat> and the sheepfold is the church. Uh, Christ's messiahship and deity were questioned in this chapter, so that's why he brought the, this analogy. <clears throat> and then uh, Christ, he was affirming that he is God, and also affirming uh, the affirming the belief the belief of the Jews that there is only one God. So he was solving that problem of. Uh, his messiahship of him and God being one and and where where'd it go and affirming that there is one God so he's letting them know that when when Jesus was saying that me and me and uh, the father and I are one he's letting them know that we've we've been taught that there's one Lord one God and 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 that's what he's doing he's affirming that so Christ uh, Christ's statement that no one can be plucked from the sheep plucked out of his hand, clearly demonstrates uh, between Christ and the hirelings or the people that are hired to help or the helpmates. <clears throat> so that's what he's talking about in this, in this passage of scripture. He's not talking about, um, about the, the people, once they're saved, they're always saved. What he's saying is, Jesus is the good shepherd and he's going to handle his sheep much better than the person that I hire to help out my sheep. If something comes against my sheep, whether it be a lion, a bear, a person, a wolf, whatever comes against my sheep, Christ, as the good shepherd, he's going to lay down his life. He's going to fight the enemy that's coming against his sheep, is what Christ was saying. He's not saying once you're saved, you're always saved. He's just uh, using that as an example. Is Me, Christ, Jesus, the Father, and I are one. I will take care of you. I will protect you. If anybody, if you follow me, I will protect you no matter what. I am not like those people that are hired. I'm not like the helpers. Once they see the enemy, they run away and let my sheep get uh, taken away, killed, destroyed, whatever it is. So that's the point that uh, Jesus was trying to make, that he's willing to lay his life down. And if we look at the scripture again, if we look at it closely, the first uh, verse in 27 is what... Shows us again how that that foundation of predestination can be broken. He says, "My sheep listen to my voice." Again, it takes a free will to do that. I can choose to listen to someone or not listen to someone. My I can choose for my ears to be open and receive what they are saying, or completely zone out like Charlie Brown. The wah 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 wah. I can I can do that all I want, or I can choose to listen. So again, my sheep listen to my voice. It's not, I force my sheep to listen to my voice. My sheep listen to my voice. And I know them because they hear me and I hear them. We have that relationship. And they follow me. It's a choice. It doesn't say I drag them. It doesn't say I pull them. It says they follow me. They have the choice to follow me. It's all a choice. We're not not forced into this. We're not predetermined into this. That's not once saved, always saved. So that's what we're doing right now. We're just trying to lay down a little bit of historical facts uh, based off of the notes of what, what this, this whole belief of uh, are we eternally secure in Christ? It's a yes and no answer to that, and we're going we're gonna to see that. So right now we're, we saw a little bit of how this whole predestination was started by a man named Augustine, and how a man named Cal, uh, Calvin how he carried it out, and how they use scripture. Now we're using scripture to debunk their beliefs. <clears throat> and then in um, the notes in fifty one, you'll see that it points out the word "pluck." It comes from the Greek word um, "harpezo." Harp, harp, sorry, "harpezo." meaning to seize, to catch away, to pull, to take by force. <clears throat> Remaining in Christ's protective care is continually upon, the following, upon following him. So that's the only way we're going to be protected, from somebody pulling us away, taking us by force, as long as we remain, uh, we, we'll remain in the protective care of Christ as long as we follow. That's, that's the prerequisite. If you follow Christ... He will take care of you. Nothing will come against you. There there will be things that will come against you. I I should rephrase that. Things will come against you, but they will not overtake you. And then another passage they use uh, to support their belief of predestination is Romans uh, chapter 8, verses uh, 35 through 39, and that's in the notes. Um, So I'll be reading from the. um, New Living Translation. Excuse me. So, beginning with verse 35 of Romans chapter 8. And it reads, uh, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or... um, uh, uh, destitute or in, in danger or threatened with death any sorry as the scripture says for your sake he will uh, we are killed every day we are being slaughtered like sheep no despite all of these things uh overwhelming victory is ours through christ who loved us <clears throat> i and i am convinced that Nothing can can ever separate us from the love of God neither death nor life nor angels nor demons neither our fears uh, from to uh, for today nor our worries about tomorrow <clears throat> not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God <clears throat> verse 39 no power in the sky above or even in earth below indeed nothing can nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in our in Christ Jesus our Lord so again context so they're talking they're they're using this and like see nothing can take us away we're saved always saved can do whatever we want to do but no we got to read context and as as we see in the the notes it says uh, in chapter 8 it declares that a believer has no condemnation as long as he, he or she walks after the spirit and not after the flesh. The chapter warns not, about car, not to be carnally minded. It encourages them to be led by the spirit and to mortify or to kill uh, the deeds of the body. So that's what it's saying. It's letting us know that this chapter is talking about that. It's telling us to walk after the things in the Spirit, to deny our flesh, to, to crucify, to mortify our flesh, the desires of our flesh. Because that's what got us into that muddy, sticky situation. So when we need to, to follow the things of the Spirit, we need to walk after the Spirit, <clears throat> And when it's when it's saying that uh, in Romans chapter eight thirty five through thirty nine, when it's talking about how uh, what can separate us from the love of Christ, and it starts naming all these things, and it says nothing. Paul says, "I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God." And he starts naming things. He's convinced because as long as, <coughs> excuse me, as long as we remain, our faith remains in Christ. We're saved by grace. But at the same time, we have to follow. We have to strive for the things of the Spirit. And we're going to get into later things along that. So we have to to walk after the Spirit and not our flesh. Because our flesh is what causes us to be uh, uh, a damnation. That's what causes us to break away from Christ. Our disobedience, our iniquity is what caused Adam and Eve to be separated from the garden. To be separated from God. The flesh. It was the flesh. So that's what he's saying is if we walk after the Spirit, nothing will separate us is what Paul is saying. Not we're saved by grace, so nothing can separate us. Do what you want. That is not what he's saying at all. <clears throat> so again, when he says nothing can separate us from the love of God, um, the passage uh, does not hint or uh, suggest that uh, we are Um, we are unconditionally secure or predestined by salvation. We must keep ourselves in the love of God. It is possible to take ourselves out of the care of God if we continue to live by faith in Christ according to the word and reject Satan's devices to to entice us away from the love of God. If we reject those things, then we will remain in the love. Then we will uh, be saved in the end. In this life, our security in Christ is dependent upon continuing to walk by obedient faith. Amen. Walk by obedient faith. Adam and Eve, I'm, I'm going to keep going back to this because this is where it started. On earth, this is where it started. Our sin, the separation from God. They, they walked with God, but it was until their disobedience, they lacked the faith in what God said in their salvation of uh, not eating of the fruit, once they lacked the faith, they were disobedient, they ate of the fruit, then they were separated. <clears throat> um, another uh, a scripture that um, I would like us to look at is Jude chapter 1, verse 21. <clears throat> Jude chapter 1, verse 21. So it says, And await the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in the love of God. In in the love of, uh, safe in God's love, sorry. Safe in God's love. So you got to wait on the mercy. You got to wait on God. Trust in him. Keep that faith. Keep it active. Keep it moving. Keep it functioning. Uh, Don't keep it stale. And Pastor gave this analogy. He's given it several times and I've loved it. Uh, and I I continue to to tell people about it because it's such a perfect analogy. He talked about um, the 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 salt uh, the salt lake or the salt river uh, in El Centro. How it doesn't move. The body water doesn't move. So the fish they remain there. They die there, and it stinks because nothing is functioning. And it's like our faith. If it's not functioning, it's not being active. It's not being obedient, walking, striving after God. It becomes that. It becomes death. It stinks. <clears throat> There's no function to it. So another scripture is Romans chapter 1 verse 17. It says, this good news, Paul is talking to the, uh, Paul saying, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from the start to uh, finish by faith. So we can only receive this good news through our faith as long as we're keeping it active from the beginning to the end, the beginning we choose to, to have faith in Christ and be saved by his grace till the end, till he takes us. <clears throat> and then it goes on to say, as, it, as the scripture says, it is through faith that, right, that a righteous person has life. So we have life through our faith in Christ, the grace that he has given us. <clears throat> And then uh we go on and we see um <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> in um in our notes in in uh page thir- fifty two sorry uh it's showing us the structure of the new testament that is very very important that we look at that because again, like i said, we're gonna get into some things that are is gonna break the foundation of that uh predestination the the structure of the new testament uh, consists of the four gospels which is the 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 witness of of jesus christ his life his his birth his life his uh death his burial his resurrection so it consists of all that his ministry everything that's what the four gospels consist of and then you got the book of acts where it talks about what the apostles uh, did after Jesus he came back and then he ascended into heaven the Holy Spirit came so it talks about church history what the apostles did um, after Jesus commissioned them to go out so that's where we get we got the gospels of Jesus uh, talking about Jesus then we got the book of Acts showing what Jesus told them to do and then you got the epistles the epistles are letters what Paul wrote uh, talking about um, just correcting the church, talking how to live a morally standard life that is wholly acceptable and pleasing to God, that's separated from the world. So the way we, uh, the way we talk, the way we conduct ourselves, uh, the way we dress at times too. Paul's not saying that you need to uh, be extreme with your dress, but uh, dressing, but at the same time, don't be making another man or another woman look at you in an inappropriate way that's going to cause them to fall is what you'll start to see in the epistles is keep yourself modest so your brother and your sister don't fall. Dress a certain way that's pleasing and holy before God. And then he's talking about the way you speak, your language too. That's another important thing. So the epistles get into all of that, everything to live a morally standard life that is um, represented to God in an appropriate way is what the epistles get into. So those, those things are important. The gospels the, the, the acts of the apostles and the epistles. And this is the reason um, God wants us to retain uh, what he has given us in the New Testament because these books cover Christian conduct. Like I said, it covers uh, the manner, lifestyle, uh, modes of um, yeah, modes of dress, and so on, so much more. And the reason it does that is uh, it covers much of the material in, in them would be wasted material if believers are Irrevocable, uh, irrevocably secure in Christ. So I hope you caught that. If we, if we are predetermined, we are saved, once saved, always saved, we're part of a plan of God, of, of salvation. All these letters that Paul wrote, it, exactly, it doesn't matter. There was no point of him writing it. So now that's where the Bible starts to look You start to question the Bible. It's like, why are they even written? Now the Bible becomes false. It has no uh, uh, firm authority because now you got something that's, there's no point in it. What's the point of it? Because we're saved. So now you're, and Paul is telling us opinions and not what God is saying. So now that's where the Bible starts to become rocky and the predestination doctrine becomes a little more steady which is not true though, because the Bible is the final authority. So that means predestination's foundation is broken. Again, now they're on sandy ground because Paul wrote all these things. The gospels um, consist of all these things. The book of Acts uh, speak of all these things for a reason, for us to live out a certain way, to look a certain way, to sound a certain way. So again, predestination... It it is not it holds no grounds because of that. <clears throat> that <is> <clears throat> so remaining in Christ is conditioned upon our continued faith. As we um, as we appro- uh, appropriate ourselves appropriate to ourselves God's truth, <clears throat> we have a sure assurance. Of a continued relationship with Christ, if we ignore spiritual conditions, <clears throat> we will be excluded from the from a from a convent. Excuse me, sorry about that. <clears throat> if we ignore spiritual conditions, we will be continue. Uh, we will be excluded from a uh, con- conventional relationship with Christ. <clears throat> so that's, that's big. If, if um, these epistles hold weight in how we conduct ourselves, then that means we need to live those out. We need to remain in the faith because if we don't remain in the faith, we don't walk as the scriptures say, as the inspired word of God says, then we're not living by faith what it says. We're not trusting it as the word faith means to trust what the Bible says then we're removing ourselves from the the grace of God. We're removing ourselves. Where we're always stepping back. <clears throat> and the Bible, it's, it, it speaks of the... It uses the word if 1,522 times. It uses that word. And the scriptures express that condition. It expresses that there's a condition. So when it says certain thing, it uses the word if. So... If you do this, then you will receive this. If you don't do this, then this is what you will receive. 1,522 times. If that word if is in there that many times, that means you should pay attention. That means you should probably listen and obey. I mean, one, two, maybe three. All right, that's a little like, eh, okay, it's kind of like, eh, all right. But 1,522 times? Your ears should be as big as Dumbo and be listening. Um, so, a scripture that I want us to pay attention to, and it, you'll see, it's in uh, page fifty-three of the notes. First John, <clears throat> chapter one, verses seven. I'm going to be reading the uh, New King James Version for this passage of scripture, and it says, First John, chapter one, uh, yeah, chapter one, verse seven, and it says, "But if we walk in the light as he." God, Jesus Christ, is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son cleanses us from all sins. So begin in the beginning, it says, if we walk in the light as He's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses our sin. If we walk in the light, our sins are cleansed. If we walk in the light, our sins are cleansed. That's important if we walk. Again, it takes free will. It takes action to do so. So if we believed in this whole predestination uh, doctrine, then again, this scripture that was written, the inspired word of God, would be false. There would be no point of this. And that starts turning the Bible into a, a uh, false collective uh, documents, And it's just another book rather than the final authority. So here's that if. And you'll see in the notes, page 53, it has a bunch of different scriptures, but I just wanted to use one to show you um, that word if. So if we walk in the light, then our, blood, uh, our sins are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we can have eternal life with him. And then uh, some scriptural truth that, that we'll see is um, this, um, this ploy of Satan of predestination is des- designed to get us to drop our guards against the world, our flesh and the devil. By doing so, we would quickly entangle, um, we would be quickly entangled again in the same snare that Christ delivered us from. So again, like the pig in the beginning of the opening of scripture, Christ, he, we were like the, the pig in the mud. He pulled us away, cleansed us, washed us, made us clean. When we, uh, when we believe in this doctrine, we believe in what the, the devil design um, of predestination, we drop our guard on how we um, <clears throat> conduct ourselves, how we resist certain things that are in the world, that we resist certain things that are desired in our flesh, and we resist certain things that the devil wants so <clears throat> when uh like that pig christ he cleansed us and when we believe in predestination that guard is removed and we're receptive to all those things and then we end up like that mu- that pig back in the mud we dirty ourselves again we're back in where christ delivered us from so again there's no point of christ dying if we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. There was no point of Christ coming to earth to die for the sins of the world. Not a select few, but of the world. So, an example, I, I keep mentioning Adam and Eve. They, they were given promise, but because of their choice of free will, they chose to be disobedient, not have faith in the word of God, to not eat of the fruit. They were, they were uh, their reward uh, the result was to be kicked out of the garden. And before that, the, the first fall we see is with the angels in heaven, with Lucifer. And uh, the angels, it, it, they have the highest order of creation, <clears throat> sorry, the highest order of created beings secure, seeming, and secure and seemingly beyond the ability of failure and did so. They were casted down to hell. So you see these angels, these majestic beings that God created before the, the, the earth was designed. They were in heaven. <clears throat> and they, they were worshiping God. And to our minds, we think that they were perfect. There is no way that they can fall. There is no way they can fall out of the glory of God. There is no way they can fall out of heaven. But they did exactly that. They had free will in heaven. And they still have free will today. So, because they chose to, to, Satan chose to have iniquity, he chose to to think of himself higher as God, and the angel chose to believe Lucifer, that was their result. They fell from heaven, and then we see with Adam and Eve. And then we saw with Israel. God, he delivered them from Egypt, and then they were destroyed, uh, and then, um, but then, Destroyed them uh, to continue because they continually to disobey the commandments. He took them out of Egypt, a place where they were held a bondage, just like us. We, before we accepted Christ, before we chose to follow Christ, we were in a spiritual Egypt within ourselves. We were uh, being bound by certain things that were holding us back and uh, crippling us. <clears throat> and then God delivered uh, in the Old Testament, He delivered the Israelites from there and was taking them through the wilderness to the promised land. But because of their disobedience, because of their stubbornness, because of their rebelliousness, um, they they were punished. They were punished. Uh, A generation had to die off before a new one can come in. And then even after that, in the promised land, they continued to disobey, continued to disobey. So you see that people that were given a promise, in heaven the angels were given a promise they were resulted in uh, being kicked out of heaven. Adam and Eve, they were given a promise as a result of their free will, their disobedience, they were given a promise of salvation, their free will, disobedience. They were kicked out of the promised land. And the Israelites, they were given a promise to be out of Egypt, into the promised land on the other side of that float of milk and honey. They were promised that, but their disobedience resulted them in a punishment. So again, we see these examples. And we start to see that predestination is not, is not true. It does not hold weight like Augustine wanted to teach, like um, uh, Calvin wanted to teach. All this, it just it, it doesn't stand. And and the dangers of this doctrine of trying to believe it is, uh, there's, in the notes you'll see in page 56, it names 10. I'll just name a couple, probably like two or three. By believing in predestination... Um, there's many dangers associated with this uh, doctrine it it removes the fear of God from the believers so when we believe in predestination when when we believe that we're once saved always saved no matter what I do I can't be pulled from the flock um, I'm always going to be saved that starts to remove the fear and not fear as in scared but fear as in reverence respect for God so that, that, that is what gets removed, is that respect, that um, a reverence for God is removed when you believe, I can do whatever, God's going to um, allow me to come into heaven. And the other one is, it destroys the desire to pray and to fast. Because what is prayer? Prayer is communication with God that keeps us connected. Fasting is what denies our flesh and what, uh, what builds up our spirit. So when we are not walking with those two, we are weak Christians, we are weak followers, we are weak spiritual beings, and we are strong carnal beings. And that's why if you look at uh, Jesus' ministry, if uh, Augustine and Calvin would have looked at Jesus' ministry countless times, he was telling them, this only comes through prayer and fasting, fasting. He constantly told them, pray, he prayed, pray, fast, pray, fast. You'll see throughout the scripture, he was telling them to pray and fast. That was something they needed to do. And then there's another scripture, I believe it's in uh, the book of Matthew. I'm going blank in what chapter it is. I think it's like 7 or chapter 17. It's not in the notes. But he talks about prayer and fasting. And he says, uh, he tells them, I believe it's in chapter 6 or 7. He's saying, when you pray, don't be like the, uh, the, the Pharisees and he names how they do it. And then he, he tells them, but pray like this. And then he says, when you fast, don't fast like the Pharisees, like they do, but fast like this. So that's letting us know he's saying, he's not saying if you want to pray, don't do it like that, but do it like this. He's not saying that. He's saying when you pray, which means there's an expectation to pray. Same thing with fasting. He's not saying if you choose to fast, if you desire to fast, this is how you can do it. No, he's saying when you fast, which means as a follower of Christ, as a believer of Christ, it is a requirement. It is an expectation to fast and to pray because of many reasons. So that's what the, the, the doctrine of predestination does is it removes the reverence, the respect for God, and it removes the desire to pray and fast. And the third one that I'll get into is it promotes worldliness and sin amongst believers. So what it it means by it promotes worldliness, it promotes you to to do as your flesh desires. Because guess what? If you want to go out there, get drunk, get messed up where you're probably beating someone up, probably kill somebody, probably get into a car accident... And you end somebody's life or you hurt somebody physically or they're getting surgery. Whatever, whatever happens because your flesh desire to drink to that level. It's okay though because guess what? You're saved. That's what it does. That kind of worldly desires. If you want to um, go and mess around with other partners, that's okay. Even though you catch a certain disease or something happens, you have many kids that you cannot take care of, it's okay though because you're saved. That's what it starts to promote. Even though the Bible talks about uh, taking care of your home, your house, and your children, being married to one wife, one uh, husband only, again, it promotes that worldliness, that desire of doing what you want to do. And then another example I'll get into is anger. Is even though I know you want to get angry, your flesh desires to get angry, it's okay. You can explode. You can say whatever words you want to say. You can break whatever you want to break. You can flip out and get crazy, however. Just let yourself be because... What, you're going to be saved at the end of the day. But that's false. If you look in the scriptures, it talks about how we need to conduct ourselves, how we need to carry ourselves. And it says to be angry and sin not, and there's many other scriptures about that. So that's what it means by the worldliness and the sins, uh, uh, or the says, uh, sins, uh, sins amongst believers. So those two, worldliness and sins, among, sins amongst believers. Sorry. So that's what it promotes, is if you believe in predestination, you can do whatever you want, but you're still saved, which is false when you look into the scriptures. So if you have the notes, you can keep looking. There's about 10 of them. I'm just going to read those uh, three just for time's sake. And then as I begin to conclude, um, I'm reading from uh, page 57 of the notes. Um, It has, I think there's like 10 of them or so. I'm only going to grab one, two, three, about four. I'm going to read four of them. Um, And it talks about, um, it says, no believers is unconditionally, um, eternally secure. All believers are subject to failure and must uh, diligently walk by faith to inherit eternal life in the end. So I, I chose that point because exactly what we've been talking about, the... It just, by um, believing in predestination, it separates us from that. But the scriptures, as we saw today, as I conclude, um, <clears throat> the scriptures, it shows us the complete opposite how we are not unconditionally, eternally secure. It's yes and no. When we follow Christ, when we follow Him, our good shepherd, we are secure. But when we don't, we're not secure. So it's a yes and no. We're not eternally secure when we choose to walk away from it. The other one is uh, point three on page uh, fifty-seven. It says God's word does not teach the the bondage of humans' will, but that humans are freely are, are free moral agents with the ability to accept or reject salvation and even to reject Christ after once accepting him. So two examples that just came to mind right now. So the first example of this part where it says how we have, we free moral agents with the ability to accept or reject salvation. First, first The first thing that came to mind was uh, Nicodemus. He had a personal meeting with the Savior. Can you imagine that? Just to be able to talk this man's heart was pricked so bad where he was a high priest he was a highly respected um, priest in the Jewish community this man knew the law he knew the Torah he knew it like the back of his hand and he taught the teachers of teachers Nicodemus this man up there and he felt in his heart there's something more there's something more than what I am teaching there's something beyond this I know it I know there's something beyond this. His heart was hungry for something more. He desires something more, and he, he, that's where he wanted to meet with Christ because there's something about you that my spirit is pulling me to you. I need to get to know. I need questions answered. There's something I need to know about you. He was that hungry where he met with him. He met with Christ, but he's a free moral agent as the Bible teaches. And he chose not to follow, unfortunately. I don't know what happened to him, whether he's in heaven or how. Um, that, that's another subject itself. But I will say this. He chose. And then the second part of point three is when it's when it says, um, ability to accept and reject. And even to reject Christ after once accepting him. Perfect example is Judas. That came to mind. Judas, he followed Christ, saw the signs, saw the miracles, saw the wonders, heard the teachings. He he slept in the same camp as Jesus, was close by him, ate at the same table with him, asked him questions, was close to Christ, chose to follow Christ. But in the end, again, we are free moral agents, free moral beings, humans, creations. We are free to choose. And in the end, he chose he chose to, after choosing to walk with Christ, he chose to reject Christ. And we all know his story. And then one last point I'm going to get into, and then I'll finish with this. Although, this is point number four on page 57, it says, although we are saved by grace, kept by grace, and presented a faultless before the throne of his presence by grace, yet in this life we can fall we can fall from the, the grace of God. So we see it throughout the scripture, and I'm going to end with that. It's like e- even though we are saved and we can be we can remain in the saved grace, we can also fall away from it. So to answer the question, are we eternally secure in Christ? Like I said, this is a yes and no. Answer, yes, we are eternally secure when we follow Christ. When we have faith in Jesus Christ, in the grace that he has given us, and we follow him, and we know his voice, then we are eternally secure. But when we don't do any of those things, we don't listen to him, we don't walk by uh, faith, and we don't listen to his voice, we don't know his voice, and we continue in our old ways, then no, we are not eternally secure. So I hope this was enlightening to you guys. Like I said, this was personally exciting for me because if you got the the paper, there's so much material. A lot of things that... I was a question about uncertain of about predestination like I knew I believed in what we taught about today but um I just didn't look at it like the way it taught here and I hope this was a blessing to you I hope you guys received it and this was enough information to not only uh plant yourself firm in what you believe in but more importantly go We're, go and make disciples. We go tell people. We go out in the field. And this is why we believe. This is why you need to follow Christ. And this is why you need to do all these things because of this. We are not predetermined. We are not once saved, always saved. But we are saved by grace through faith when we follow the shepherd's voice. Amen.